Okay, you're listening to Spilling the Tea with Kyla and Thor. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I think it's the new uh, Zwerner Gallery podcast. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. Wishing you a merry crisis and a happy new fear. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, how's winter in Poland? Uh, I'm over it, but yeah, in 18 days, (laughs) yeah, yeah, in 18 days, the days are getting longer, so I can't wait for that because I've had it. It's just so gloomy and dark. It is. It's funny because with COVID, New York just feels like what seven years in Berlin felt like, <laughs> which is like a, a very limiting and constricting endless winter mm-hmm. with not a lot of things to do except for a self-medicating either at home or at a club. <laughs> which uh, you can't do anymore. Yeah. But Unless I you're Hungarian. Happy, <laughs> yeah. I am happy to have seen, though, that you can get tested at Kit Kat Club in Berlin now. <laughs> oh, my God. Was that was that stipulated by like the grant givers? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Maybe maybe in a future episode I'll tell that uh, that story, uh, that spicy story I have to tell about uh, Wolfgang Yup, oh Kit Kat Club, and uh, yeah, I have a very juicy story from my life in Berlin. Oh God, uh, you have all probably seen his perfume at Walmart, so. <laughs> <laughs> sorry it's the shelf is too low I, <laughs> I don't even look that low um yeah he i gotta say for a man his age the work he's done on his face is uh kind of frozen in time about 15 20 years ago he's looked oh. like old and over polished for like two decades now <laughs> i think um yeah and for for our listeners who aren't don't know what Kit Kat Club is. That's the uh, it's a famous club in Berlin where uh, uh, fuck, what's that movie? Oh, Cabaret. Duh. Sorry, brain fart. Where uh, uh, Cabaret was uh, filmed. Uh, but not in that actual physical location, right? No, the current location I think is the uh, they moved into it like 15 years ago or yeah. something like that. But the original one is where the uh, movie was set. Ah. Love that movie. I even showed it to my uh, students, my seventh graders in shul <laughs> <laughs> as a part of our Holocaust uh, uh, program, like oh the God. Holocaust in movies. <laughs> uh, yeah, I showed them bits from uh, Cabaret, Schindler's List, not the gory parts. Oh uh, what else did I show them? The Seinfeld episode where they go to see Schindler's List. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. The Soup Nazi. <laughs> um, it's funny because one of the first questions I would ask my seventh graders uh, every new year would be, I mean, it wasn't straight up the first question <laughs> that I would ask them, but at some point I would ask them how many Jews they think there are in the world. Uh, and they would name like ridiculous figures like 15 billion, 20 billion. <laughs> Uh, and when I told them there's only 15 million Jews all across the world, uh, and the vast majority of them are in the, um, in the coastal hubs, uh, mm-hmm. in the U S and that there's even more Jews in America than there are in, um, 
sorry, there's more Jews around the world than in Israel, they would be totally shocked that they're, like, they had no idea that they were surrounded by Jews, essentially, in New York. <laughs> like, it's such a given and a default for them that they don't realize that they're a, a minority. Yeah. Um, I don't know what's uh, to be gleaned from that, but... Uh, <laughs> well, I'm glad you gave them a reality check. <laughs> yeah. I li- yeah, I had to bite my, my tongue from telling them, like, uh, so much for the promised land theory, like, majority of Jews don't even live in Israel. <laughs> I mean, but, uh, dealing with that heat and dryness? Yeah, totally. I mean, to be just to be fair, Israel has three climate zones across it, so... <laughs> Sounds uh, fake. <laughs> I mean, honestly, the the south is a desert, and then Tel Aviv area is uh, subtropic, and then the north has like snow in the mountains. So, so it's like, like it's like LA. <laughs> it is basically like LA, which is one of my reasons to never move to LA because it basically looks like Israel, only it's a fifteen hour flight from Israel and like a ten yeah. hour time difference, which is insane. Like uh, two years ago or three years ago. Oh my god! It was already five years ago because I remember watching. Uh, we were in LA for the uh, New York, uh, the LA Art Book Fair. Sorry, and we were staying at the Standard, and I guess the primary debate was on TV that same night with like Trump. Um, and it was my birthday that night, and I started getting phone calls from family members like hours before, like <laughs> I even went to bed that same night. Oh, I remember when you went there and stayed at the Standard. Yeah, I actually surprised nice. I surprised Jordan. It's so sweet. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, how else I, have you been? I've been good. I uh, ran some errands today. Mm-hmm. You have any yes. special guests? Oh, you mean like my parents staying here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're very, they're the most special, but I'm basically chained to them because of coronavirus i like can't uh-huh. do anything else <laughs> what, what else would you have done i don't know like go visit friends or something mm-hmm. but, what do you guys do all day uh my dad and i have been doing stuff outside like some small renovation tasks mm-hmm. uh there's this brick building behind my house like this big shed uh, we're gonna pour a concrete beam around the perimeter of it. Is that on, your he shed? <laughs> that's my yeah, my man cave. <laughs> um, so we're just getting that ready. We cleaned out the shed. I've been organizing some uh, metal pieces that I'm gonna make sculptures out of. Mm-hmm. Um, Are they going somewhere? No, just making new work in general. Okay. Are you opening a sculpture park in your backyard anytime soon? <laughs> I already have a sculpture park. <laughs> I have I have my uh, beautiful Jillian Mayer fiberglass works, uh, as seen mm-hmm. in the New York Times this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have some of her works. Her biggest work to date just uh, debuted oh. uh, in Miami. Yeah, that's true. That's the uh, kind of in replacement of uh, Art Basel Miami Beach since it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's Some like galleries public works that have been installed no. around the city. Uh, Design Miami is also happening. Who the but, hell attends that? Well, it's the like same. Like these times, I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. I guess it's just for a more local crowd. Um, but I think it's more, everything's outside and it's not the usual thing of like a giant, you know, convention right. center thing. 
I feel uh, like it's the it's the rainy season, no? Like three years ago. I don't know if we were both in Miami at the same time when it was like super rainy and the city essentially turned into Venice. Oh, I remember that from two years ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a uh, rainy tents and flooding everywhere. And but last year was amazing. I last year was amazing, yeah. That was my first time in Miami and I am really sad we can't go back this year because it really was so nice what were some of your good memories from last year let's uh oh my god let's reminisce for a second yes uh i love when we went for cuban food oh yes what's that that, what's that restaurant called i forget i can't remember it's not it's not that other one everyone talks about it's that first one the one where we saw oscar murillo Uh, pre-baby yeah are we sharing the same memory i'm forgetting now well, I was, like there with, I was there with Kareem Krippa, friend of the pod, um, one night. And then I was there with you and Jordan another night. So maybe it was that night that I was there with uh, with uh, Kareem. It's but, on the main track, right? Yes. And it's like, wa- like Washington or something. Yeah. And it's called like La something. Yeah. That one, right? Yeah. I yeah. like it there. And I had rice and beans with basically like ground beef, like mm-hmm. in this kind of sauce. It was super good. Um, it was definitely a scene. Mm-hmm. It was packed. Not Corona friendly nowadays. <laughs> nope. Yeah, packed uh, with the uh, G- German gallery dinners. Uh, some, snooty, <laughs> some snooty. Some uh, snooty. Some sinister. Yeah, Germans with that haircut. Mm-hmm. You know the one. <laughs> um, some cokeheads. <laughs> bloated cokeheads. God. Uh, oh, I love Twist, mm-hmm. the gay bar. That was yeah. super fun. We we got our drinks on, you and I. Um, Honestly, I, I really uh, I really don't miss the days of the uh, borderline sexual harassment. <laughs> oh were, were you getting sexually harassed at Twist? You know, it's it's never sexual harassment, but it's it's always borderline. It's always uncomfortable. There's always like crossing of boundaries. People who I would, who I would rather never touch me or come close to me, but like, whatever. <laughs> oh wait, I think I remember that there was someone handsy with you, wasn't there? Yeah, or trying to. I just like this. Yeah, whatever. Do we need to bleep? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just thinking maybe we'll devote a whole episode and I, I can get a chance to like prep my my like articulation wording. <laughs> <laughs> um. uh, okay, so twist I loved. I loved the layout, you know, that it was kind of these bungalows around a courtyard. Yeah. Um, it has like th- a short a short but like a gay short bus <laughs> like vibe to it. Um, uh the go-go dancers that was fun Mm -hmm. um and then i love uh what was that what was the israeli cafe chain oh uh israeli oh aroma yes (laughs) yeah we would go there yeah they have the best rogalach and uh oh yeah and i went there for iced coffees with my date remember my hunky date i actually don't is that the guy with the uh with the moonshine, uh, <laughs> with the bootleg butt, in, butt injections no. <laughs> outside of the city centers, <laughs> the bungalow. No, the uh, the um, 
Canadian doctor living in New York. Uh, chosen. I don't remember. <laughs> remember he uh, he was like a ridiculous beefcake. <laughs> Man, I don't remember. Sorry. Oh my god! I'll usually, send you. I'll I usually you f- keep. Uh, yeah, I usually keep better track of your. Uh, yeah. Of your dates. rendezvous, but uh, yeah, your dates. Well, maybe I can scramble his face and post it to Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Since he did unfollow me on my personal yeah. Instagram, so I feel oh like that's completely fine. One of the things on my wish list, I would say, is that the, not the standard, but what's that other, the addition, the W? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember the, we went to the, the drinks the night I got there? That yeah, I always I always go there. It's so nice. Just poolside drinks, like after hours, is really nice. I would, I uh, heavily recommend them to change the house scent <laughs> that they pump <laughs> in the lobby because it just smells like the house scent they pump in a shopping mall in my hometown, <laughs> which our listeners should have been able to establish at this point that we we're both mall rats. And totally. all stands, but the the scent they pump in my hometown's shopping mall is like <laughs> smells like a bathroom. <laughs> That's like the Winnipeg Art Gallery when you walk into their vestibule. It smells like um, a panty liner or yeah, exactly, uh, <laughs> or yeah, like some bathroom deodorizer. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like the subway here. Uh, it smells like like it always smelled like bleach but like they added some like uh sweet fragrance to the bleach that's like the just the iconic subway smell here and i'm not referring to the to the sandwich chain <laughs> referring to which, the, uh, which smells like yoga mat preservative i don't even come close to those things i'm a big fan of uh, junk food but i don't think i've ever set foot on a subway here in uh, north america oh my god uh anyway so now there's uh, obviously all the stations have uh hand sanitizer and it's it's straight up the same cleaning material <laughs> that they use for oh the stations. Uh, so if you put it on your hands, you get a little uh, sort of um, a little gift to take home. Uh, <laughs> the smell of the subway. Um, yeah. Did you see what any celebrities in Miami when we were there? Uh, I think. Do we yeah. have any like, I, fun sightings? I don't think I have. Or maybe they were so so like D list that yeah. I erased them from memory. Like Sorry, a ca- like a Ramona Kasha's, singer. Ka- yeah, Kasha's begging in my side. She might start barking any minute now. That's oh, okay. Um, wow. yeah, I miss Miami. I miss it too. Um, yeah, they just Cuomo just announced that they're going to start vaccinating in two weeks. So there's hoping. Hmm. And there's still some. I'm just scrolling through my uh, photo stream. There's some still some beautiful foliage in my neighborhood, oh, in the nice. in the bucolic neighborhood of Park Slope, <laughs> nestled between the uh, the bay and the uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> and Prospect Park. Um, yeah, but I feel yeah, I feel like this this has to be over now. I went to Macy's yesterday just to get a, a shot of optimism. Oh, nice um it's pretty nice they did some like fun uh um just like interactive no touch like hands-free like (laughs) window uh display thing that's like interactive uh and then i walked over to brian park and there's the ice rink which was very sparsely populated (laughs) this year being that there's no tourists in town it looked sad in the photo 
Yeah, it's pretty sad. Uh, it's also just gotten really cold here, and just the there's a limit to the lie you tell yourself about outdoor dining. You just you literally start freezing at some point. Oh it's my like God. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and not uh, Titanic. <laughs> water. Um. Yeah, what? I did. Yeah. What did you want to say? Oh, I was just gonna say I saw that you have to wait in line to see or like make an appointment to see the Rockefeller Christmas tree. Oh yeah. <laughs> It's that the saddest sad tree. tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the saddest tree I've seen uh, in the past uh, few years. And I sent you this uh, this like New York uh, archive uh, Instagram oh, post yeah. yesterday of the very first Rockefeller Center a Christmas tree, even before it was like paved or anything. It was it looked like post Hiroshima ruins, <laughs> and the tree was like small it was like average regular tree and it was as sad looking as the current tree basically only small (laughs) yeah uh um yeah i did go to the met on sunday um i just realized that like going to the studio and painting every day is just it's it's pushing it like i need to let the paintings sort of like yeah. set or like sink in and not have to like not have to but not to look at them every single day i think it confuses me so i like i'm starting to broaden my my every other day's activity yeah to uh not include going to the studio so i went to the met on sunday i'm still uh, incredibly enjoying the fact that it's uh it's very easy to get a reservation a timed reservation it's pretty empty still like it's not empty it's just it's a huge building but like there's mm-hmm. lots of room to just enjoy the art without the masses crowding every painting um yeah and i took like a wrong turn and ended up like seeing the uh what's it called the washington crossing the delaware Re- river painting mm-hmm. which is massive and it's pretty impressive to just be able to see it like alone in the gallery essentially Amazing. Um, I saw some beautiful early John Singer sergeants, not the big uh, like aristoc- uh, uh, aristocracy portraits, but like smaller ones that kind of looked like a Cecile Brown. I don't know. There was there oh, was I definitely you were gonna like a- say Cecile B. Evans. Oh, yeah, no, whose <laughs> <laughs> uh, boyfriend I did a residency with in Norway five years ago. Oh yeah, so it, it seems like some of the early works of John Singer Sargent have like a like an abstract or even like an expressionist streak to them, which kind of reminded me of Cecile Brown's work. Um, yeah, I've been just tremendously enjoying the just the access to these monoliths of museums, almost all to myself. It's been really, it's been really fun. Oh, that's nice. How how yeah. busy would you say they are? they're not busy at all like there's just no tourists in town and i think like you've seen it once like that's just like i don't see any like recurring visitors to the met essentially yeah and it basically exhausted or is starting to exhaust the local sort of um the local population um yeah, and then I just walked downtown from there all the way to um, the library on Fifth Avenue, and like I passed through Grand Central, Grand Central, blech, Grand Central <laughs> Station. Sorry, did you <laughs> go to Shack? No, I didn't. Um, and it still had like a trickle of people coming back from Thanksgiving. Oh. Um, but otherwise, the city is pretty deserted, and uh, trying to make the best of it. 
and um yeah in other news i got a uh the residency that i applied to in israel uh i didn't get accepted to i was really hoping to be able to go away for yeah thanks to be able to go away for two months um yeah i basically at this point haven't seen my family in almost a year and i mean i could go it's just there's still a mandatory 14 day um self-quarantine thing uh and just the thought of like self-imprisoning myself for two weeks in a in a room somewhere is just oh god I, I, i cannot manage that thought yeah uh a friend of mine uh she went back to canada for two weeks Mm-hmm. Or sorry, uh, went back to Canada and then had to do the two week quarantine, uh, right. and and she was alone for two weeks. And she said by the second week she felt like a ghost. It's Which, terrible. I'm, yeah. I'm just sort of I'm scared of the potential like, self harm. <laughs> totally. I mean, you know, a friend of I, yeah. a friend of mine went back to Winnipeg and did that. A friend of the pod, Natalie, and. But she was like with her parents in the countryside. So it's mm-hmm. like you could avoid each other. There's a backyard. You can sit on the deck. It's summer. Right. But that's why I didn't go to Winnipeg this past summer because I would have had to stay with my parents. Uh, and they live in a one bedroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. totally. Um. Yeah, which kind of it brings me to the to the topic of uh, <laughs> applying to residency <laughs> programs, <laughs> the the elusive art of applying and getting accepted to residency <laughs> yeah. programs. It's insane. I really so I custom tailored the application, uh, sort of text to obviously the the current like uh, the current moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also just extended this opportunity, this particular residency program extended uh, this opportunity to artists who are like quote unquote exiled because of the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, so I figured, wow, that's a great opportunity to um, sort of piggyback uh, on that opportunity and go to Israel, self quarantine for two weeks with the like the the happy kind of prospect of then after the quarantine to go right into work in the studio um and also i just like mentioned in the application process um you know feeling essentially exiled uh the fact that i haven't seen my family in about a year and also realizing sort of through the the experience of the past eight months kind of what my work means to me in that particular context of having worked outside of israel and having uh, had the sort of uh opportunity to reflect on my background my origin how it sort of ties into my use of materials in the studio etc etc anyways i feel like i i played my violin uh to the best of my ability in the application process um but i uh didn't get accepted so i guess um I'll never see my family again. Thanks. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but okay, this residency uh is it for Israeli artists like in the country currently or was just open to everyone? Um so there's they have one track which is a year-long residency program for Israeli artists who live and work in Israel and then there's a second track which is for 
uh, non-Israelis essentially to sort of uh-huh. create an, a, a dialogue or an exchange. And being that Israel shut its uh, shut its borders down in March, they couldn't invite any uh, foreigners to participate in the program so they extended that track sort of that side of the 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 program to israelis who are um exiled or like stuck okay so like israelis abroad okay israelis abroad yeah um yeah i i'm sorry it's funny i'm just looking at my the folder in my computer with all the uh rejected (laughs) applications (laughs) i've (laughs) I've sent over the years. It's it's crazy. Like there's some application programs that I've like 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, like Skohegan, Shandaken, uh. Smack Melon, all those things. Just rejection year after year, which is is fine. I'm not even bringing it up as like a boohoo or woe is me. Yeah. It's just like. I feel like whenever I would apply to a residency program, <laughs> you would, oh, like I would share that tidbit of information with you, and you would always remind me that you don't even bother. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> like because I, I applied to things, and then I just like didn't get into anything, and then I just gave up. Like I know yeah. that's the stupidest thing. Because <laughs> what does Wayne Gretzky say? Uh, you you miss all the shots you don't take. <laughs> <laughs> but uh <laughs> but um i don't know i was just over it but i the residency i got into which i have not attended yet because of covid mm-hmm. uh somebody mentioned it to me basically like oh you should apply the deadline's tomorrow yeah um and i ended up getting in but that was like the one thing. <laughs> yeah. You know and what I mean? Was that, were you invited to apply or was that a cold application? No, it was a cold application. Like I wasn't okay. like, it's not like the residency contacted me or something. It was like, uh, yeah. it was more, uh, someone emailed me and was like, Oh, your name is on this. Like, um, basically just like list of artists, I guess. Basically there were, I think there weren't enough Eastern European artists that applied and there was like a, there was a fund for like Eastern European artists. So I think they reached out to a bunch of Eastern European artists to apply. Mm -hmm. Um, How does it feel to be a pigeonholed? (laughs) (laughs) You feel, uh, what do you feel? uh, Like you were typecast, you feel marginalized, Um, you feel, (laughs) just kidding. (laughs) Um, well, a funny, shameful story when I first moved here seven years ago, like completely not knowing the scene or the, uh, the landscape, I, I had applied to the, uh, the studio museum (laughs) residency, completely not realizing or like knowing what they do and not realizing that it's only for POC. So somewhere out there, there's an intern at the, uh, (laughs) studio museum, (laughs) (laughs) LOLing at this uh, Jewish white boy's application. Uh, I I mean, your name uh, is Amir, though. (laughs) (laughs) True, but it's it's A-M-I-R and not A-M-E-R-E. Not not Amare Studemeyer, who's also Jewish. (laughs) Is he? (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's the sport. That's two sports mentions in one episode. So, <laughs> uh, straight men, you can continue listening. <laughs> should I should I start mentioning all the Israeli uh, Olympic Games medalists? <laughs> There's very few of them. So, Bar Raffaelli doing biathlon. 
her mother's in prison now by the way <laughs> she, bar bar threw her under the bus oh yeah i remember the tax yeah. evasion thing yeah anyways i think uh what i did a total of three artist residencies in my life or two um i did one in norway which was amazing it was all paid for um it was beneficial to my evolution and self-improvement and just mm-hmm. uh expanding of horizons and everything um and the second one was the one uh we had the immense pleasure of doing together yeah. right before covid hit in tuscany yeah. right right on the precipice of covid yeah uh well yeah so this when this residency in upstate new york finally happens uh <laughs> that'll be my second residency mm-hmm. uh but that first residency you did in Norway, pardon me, I'm doing my Wendy burp. <laughs> um, wasn't that some sort of, uh, there was some sort of algorithmic element to the application? Like, uh, uh, yeah, I thinking- I have, I, yeah, yeah, it was, it was almost, almost randomized, I guess, which I don't know if to feel good or bad about. Well, I was going to um, say, I think that's how they should actually happen. A lottery? Yeah, it should be a lottery, but but there should be maybe some data points where it's like, uh, you know, the artist represented by Gagosian with 50 shows doesn't necessarily need to be in it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like younger and emerging artists, uh, people that are underrepresented. Um, right. And maybe it should just yeah be even just a lottery and there's like letters of reference so they know you're not going to like murder people (laughs) yeah but what do you do with the case of uh generally underrepresented artists coming from you know minority backgrounds because if their representation in the lottery pool to begin with is in the minority their chances of getting uh, selected are pretty small well, I think that could be part of maybe the data set, you know, like you have an application, you know, a lot of applications do, whether it's like a college application or other things, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like you can declare your gender or minority status. Right. Um, and that can be taken into account by whatever this kind of formula would be in the lottery. Mm-hmm. Um but I just, uh, it's, it's this whole catch 22 sort of structure. I always find funny in order to be able to get into, get accepted to those residencies. You need to have the very same residency sort of type on your, on your exactly CV, on your resume. Well, it's like everything. It's uh, the chicken before the egg situation of like employment and, you know, like, why do certain artists work their way up the ladder and others don't? It's like no one wants mm-hmm. to give the chance to the person that doesn't have a chance, you know, hasn't had a chance. Right. Uh, which is a good lead into our next topic. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, let me find the tab. I have such a cluttered <laughs> desktop today. <laughs> Uh, I'm, oh I'm going to get you a virtual Marie Kondo a, uh, coupon <laughs> for Christmas. <laughs> um, wait, be, while I look for that tab, I do have a PSA. I have two PSAs, actually. And they're both equally important. 
the first PSA is um, yesterday, December 1st, was World AIDS Day. Everyone, please go out and get tested. Know your status. Especially my straight cis female friends. Mm-hmm. Um, the I other piece. Sorry, I have a rant. I have a random question for you. I was, yeah. I was talking about it with a friend the other day, and I realized that the fact that here in the U.S., when you're on uh, prep, they uh, they make you get tested for STI every three months in order to refill refill. Sorry, the prescription. Yeah. Uh, the friend is straight, and so it just struck them a little odd that you're essentially being sort of uh, they suspect that you're a uh that there's a reason for you to have caught uh, some kind of an sdi in those three months that there's something about your conduct uh if you're on <laughs> prep that would probably infer that you there's a higher chance of you catching an sdi in those last three months well and i think just, they're just using their common sense <laughs> true but don't you find it a little discriminatory that in order to refill your prep prescription, you have to get tested for STIs, which is utterly unrelated. Every um, three months, it's not utterly. No, unrelated, I think they have enough. <laughs> they have enough data. I think through when they did their studies that people are not using additional protection, and then. But like I don't know, do you have to get tested for STIs when you refill your like birth control prescription? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm no, just ruminating on discriminatory practices. I know, but I guess since you're you since you're getting the HIV test to get prep, because if you're HIV positive and getting the prep, it's actually bad for you because you're not getting the sufficient uh, dosage of the medication and other medications you would need. Uh, so I guess it's like, well, if you're already doing this, it's like in like a public health interest to just tack on the other tests. Yeah. But you're, you're supporting my, my uh, claim, like <laughs> women on birth control also don't use uh contraceptives like a, a, a condom. So that means no, I know a but, higher chance of catching an STI. No, I know. But I think it's the thing that like you have to test for HIV anyway, mm-hmm. like to refill the, the prep. And there's a reason for that. Because you're like giving a medication that like if the person in that time did become HIV positive, mm-hmm. um, it's bad for their health. Like it might create like a super strain or something of mm-hmm. the virus because there's like a low dosage of a medication. Um, right. So since a test is happening already, it's like might as well do the other tests for the public health thing. Whereas sounds like a, sounds suspiciously generous. <laughs> no whereas like birth control like you're not doing a test so it's you know what i mean yeah it's not like oh we did a pregnancy blood test every time we gave you birth control might Mm -hmm. as well just do the other yeah i don't know um i'm gonna have to chisel at my debating a uh skill maybe our listeners (laughs) would want to chip in and venmo me some money so i can attend a uh an online Uh, debating uh class (laughs) or, or a toastmasters local meetup Oh yeah, yeah. Is there any master class by uh, John Favreau or any <laughs> oh like <laughs> press secretary? Also, I hope uh, no like community sexual health people like c- 
come for me for whatever missteps I've made of may have made in my explanation of STI testing. <laughs> They'll never be able to track you down in rural <laughs> Poland. <laughs> Fear not. Anyway, um, I think yeah. we should all get our uh, sexual health tests and uh, there's no, you know, we need to chip away at the stigma. Wait, didn't anyone tell you that no one's having sex anymore these days? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Zoomers and millennials aren't having sex anymore, apparently. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. So, wait, I'm going through my tabs. There's like horrible Jenny Seville paintings. It could go. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What, what was your second PSA? <laughs> oh, my second PSA. That's right. Okay. So, uh, I've mentioned them before and I'll mention them again. Uh, Artist Charity Aid Network. They released their list of artists today for the next drop. Uh, I apologize sincerely for any mispronunciations, but uh, this is release five and the artworks uh, will be shown on their Instagram on December 4th. And the artists are uh, Camille Sahin, uh, Jiwi Lee, Jonathan Pensa, Martin Kaler, and Victor Payares. So I apologize for any mispronunciations, but Google Translate, um, that microphone icon can only do so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so uh, please support that because 100% of proceeds go to various good causes. Uh, okay, now on to our main story. Um, what is our main so- story? I also have some tabs open here. Forbes 30 under 30 pass pass yeah I mean age discrimination is over in 2020 get a life exactly Uh, because you know what some people don't hit their stride until 130 bitch or 78 (laughs) like father of the nation uh, Joseph Biden yeah there you go Mm -hmm. he you know he persevered he tried many times and finally he's gonna be president yeah so so honestly the the only token white people on this list are clearly paid for by their parents <laughs> yeah exactly um okay so pace gallery now represents robert nava um is it robert or roberto robert okay uh according to art news not to be confused with our bible art net news my autocomplete constantly gets it wrong. Like I have to put a news for Artnet news to come up, but uh, Art News I have to put in Art News. It's life is complicated here in North America. <laughs> okay, so so um, this has been burning up Instagram stories last week. Uh, so uh, Robert Nava, a young painter, which by the way. He's the same age as us, born in 85. Mm-hmm. But that Uncle Jesse hair does not read as born in 1985. <laughs> Wait, t- take a step back and maybe you can describe to our blind listeners uh, what the work is, uh, what it looks like. Um, well, actually, going back to Uncle Jesse in Full House, uh, his paintings look like something... Um, little michelle tanner would have made and put up on their side-by-side refrigerator Mm -hmm. uh 
I mean, he basically makes large-scale, faux-naive paintings that if your child would have uh, drawn them in kindergarten, you would have gotten an immediate call from <laughs> from the kindergarten heavily strongly recommended you took your child to a uh, a clinical psychiatrist <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um, yeah so they're faux naive and it's uh just like scribbles doodles of like uh what's that what's that uh greek mythology word you uh saw in the press release oh that i had to google um chimeric or chimerical Mm -hmm. uh which are animals made of multiple animal parts which these works clearly are not uh this is more like drawing a doodle and then just drawing another doodle over it much like a child would do yeah i'm just i'm looking through google images there's a lot of like uh half angry grizzly bear half tiger and then there's like a half half horse like winged horse with a uh, shark's head and a uh like an alligator that bit off someone's leg or something like that and oh that's all, what i'm that's what i'm looking at now with the yeah. alligator and it's all very performatively faux naive and so mimicking the style of a uh naive painter yeah yeah, some of them remind me of Joe Bradley's work. Um, there's some like, like David Ostrowski esque yeah. elements in some of them. You're very generous. <laughs> You're being very generous. I'm really generous. Yeah. That one, that one little swizzle of spray paint on a raw canvas. Yeah. <laughs> I will say I am. I will say I'm seeing one edition that he did with this fashion brand. Uh, here on Preston, it's a really nice oh, yeah. button-down shirt. I would wear it. Um, Jesus, $347. Oh my God. Bye. Um, yeah, his career has been ascending for years now. Yeah, I, like I would always see posts, um, from, uh, sorry, we're closed on, uh, Instagram. Yeah. So he shows with multiple galleries, LA, Brussels, uh, which is the third one before he joined Pace. <laughs> oh, um, that... Wait, I don't want to get sued. That schnobel. <laughs> oh, Vito Schnobel. Yeah. <laughs> that schnozzle. Yeah. <laughs> Vito Schnozzle. Um, <sighs> can I just say, uh, Julian Schnobel, I not only love the work, but I will forever love him because there's uh, in the Met, Met Opera House in the uh, basement gallery, there's like an, a, a changing gallery. Mm-hmm uh exhibition there every now and then i haven't been there in almost a year now but uh there's a, a gorgeous also kind of faux naive painting by him of some wagner character from one of the operas i forget now but it's it's beautiful it's random you go down there you absolutely don't expect to like see any contemporary painting and um it's hanging among the like the many uh headshots of like the history sopranos and baritones and uh, performers of the Met. It's pretty impressive. Oh so God. that's that's my little uh, tip next Wait, time. You you even like the the plate paintings? <laughs> the what? <laughs> the Julian Schnabel paint, paint God plate paintings. They're sad. Let's be real. <laughs> I yeah, it's not a good look. But speaking of looks, he was hot years ago. There's a photo that came up on Google Images when he was like dapper. 
in I guess the eighties. Um, it's just so those like tinted glasses reminds me of my fifth graders in shul like what's his name from law and order it's just like it's just like either an you're either an old jew regardless of your age or you're like a sinister west wing type uh lobbyists totally i don't know what's uh what's his generation do i have to look it up schnabels like who, uh, who were his peers noted well, peers he was, he was friends with all those people in the 80s like uh basquiat and warhol etc but mm-hmm. i mean well, uh, that, well you mentioned basquiat i think that's a uh, not not too uh uh not too bad of a reference to uh robert nava's work yeah i can see that it's but, less uh but it just know, feels Robert's work is it's like even I even Catherine uh, Bernhardt's work is a little more time consuming. Yeah. If you know, like. the thing with Basquiat is like I feel it and believe it like what whatever this aura around it is. Like I don't yeah. like the Uniqlo t-shirts and all that. But Well, he, he had no say in it. Yeah, like there were yeah, these vultures circling for sure in the eighties around him. But it, I don't know, seeing like Robert Nava's work now, it just feels very put on like, Oh, I just need to make these childlike doodles, you know, with pencil crayon. Like it's the ultimate, my kid could do that. Sadly, it, and your kid can have, do that. <laughs> like, yeah, it it would have actually been more interesting if there was a heavy lean in to that sort of an ironic take on my kid could do it, like uh, Eliza Douglas style, where you know she outsources the production, the painting process to this village in China, and allegedly the work is about it's like a commentary on the um, on the creative hand. Yeah. Uh, but in this case, it's there's a naivete to the like a faux naivete to the faux naivete. I feel like of the of the painting. Do yeah. you mind reading the uh, the press release or the, like the announcement? Yes. Thing that- so okay, so this is from Pace Gallery, which is now representing him. And just to give some context, uh, Pace would be I don't know, like a top four gallery in the whole world. It's kind of like Apple, Google, Microsoft, and um, but you know, even Apple has some shitty products <laughs> in its lineup. <laughs> okay, so it says uh, Pace Gallery is honored to announce its representation of New York-based artist Robert Nava. Driven by his desire to make new myths responsive to our times, which I don't think they are responsive to our times. Uh, Nava has created a chimerical world of metamorphic creatures, drawing inspiration from sources as disparate as prehistoric cave paintings, Egyptian art, and cartoons. How? Okay, Egyptian <laughs> art, when I hear that, all I can think like, of is Katy Perry on set. I don't set. see that in the work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like Katy Perry in the Dark Horse music video. Oh. She was like, <laughs> um, it's really crazy, like... I found out that there was a place in ancient Egypt called Memphis. And uh, 
wait, who's the rapper on a uh, oh, Juicy J? She's like, and Juicy J's from Memphis, Tennessee. So we made this ancient Egyptian like Memphis video. <laughs> <laughs> Pace Gallery has a roster of like fifty artists or so. It's such a, it's such like the tentacles of Pace Pace Gallery around the world. It's. Uh, oh my god, whenever I see Joe Bear, I think of uh, you know who. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me think of the view. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so continuing, uh, it says, rendered through a raw energetic mixing of spray paint, acrylics, and grease pencil, his large-scale paintings of fantastical beasts exude a playful candidness that does that say candidness? Yes, it does. Candidness that defies the pretensions of high art and invites viewers to reconnect with the unbridled imagination of their childhoods. As exemplified by the gallery's support of artists, okay, uh, such as Jean <laughs> Dubuffet, Phoebe Buffet, uh, Julian Schnabel, Kiki Smith, and... Oh, your favorite, Amir, Yoshitomo Nara, among others. Oh, my God. Uh, Isn't Pace... JR on the roster? <laughs> <laughs> Pace has been a staunch advocate of artists with a singular visual language that expands the possibilities of art. Now, haven't they been an advocate of their employees, though? <laughs> Oh my god, that's such bullshit. I also feel like they told him, hey, just like uh, comb, comb our roster, the list of artists we represent, and, and like pick one and say that you were influenced by them. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I don't see any any Dubuffet uh, influence. Uh, no, Nava's- there's all these references. Yeah, sorry. There's all these references to like, uh, so Jean, Jean, de, uh, Jean Dubuffet. Sorry, I'm botching the pronunciation probably. Uh, if, if you know or don't know, was a French painter and sculptor, and he, he founded the art movement Art Brut, which is, um, you know, like self-taught or naive art maker um, sort of in spirit. And um, I don't know, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty, it's like it's a stretch to compare Nava's work to uh, Dubuffet's work in terms of like it's naivete because on the one hand nava's work is straight up like a kid like a kindergartner's doodle and dubuffet's work is like also has stood the test of time yeah but it's like Uh how can you talk about the how can you talk about like the naive in painting when you got an mfa from yale like i think that's just exactly so artificial um that shouldn't even be in the conversation. Uh, there's like outsider artists who actually are like the naive in painting because they didn't study art. They don't have this academic sense of it and they're not I mean, like aping other can, people's work. <laughs> can I just mention the outsider art fair here in New York? I think it was two years ago or even three years ago, whenever that uh, Jim Carrey, exhibition was uh, up at a macaron they fucking brought jim carrey's work to the outsider art fair here okay that's a joke it's insane yeah uh and that's that's a fair that's like uh has a you know high integrity level brings uh unknown actual outsider artists and put them on display usually trying to like 
posthumously garner some interest in their work and it's people who've either lived outside of you know the mainstream of society or were homeless people or were on the spectrum and stuff like that and i feel like if anything's on the spectrum with jim carrey is the just the level of his art and it was just pretty it was pretty gross to see him included in that fair yeah just to see like a blue chip not blue chip but like a a, a mid-tier gallery from la like participating in an art fair and essentially stealing an opportunity for someone who could actually benefit from it well no it's true because i mean it takes up space there's only so many booths uh, and just stop taking the shine away from people that actually yeah, need the opportunity yeah and you're like a rich hollywood millionaire you don't belong in the outsider art fair yeah exactly that's so my rant. i fully support the rant Mm-hmm. Okay, so it goes on. Nava's bold and idiosyncratic approach to painting connects to this history while pushing his chosen medium forward. Uh, false. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling it like it is. That's what we told you on episode one. And if you don't like it, turn it off. <laughs> uh, the uh, artist. I just. I yeah. I t- I take issue with this self mythologizing or just building of a myth in a in a art English in the press release. It's like, can you let our eyes do the the work and you know yeah, ju- exactly. judge it for ourselves rather than like having to look up words that you include in your art press uh, release that we don't even understand. Yeah. Uh, so then there's a quote from the president and CEO of Pace Gallery, blah, blah, blah. It's like the same stuff. And then Robert and Hava comments, when I met with Mark and Arnie, which are the father and son uh, duo. Bert and Ernie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we immediately went to Du Buffet. Uh, all my favorite painters can't paint by academic standards. <laughs> You literally went to Yale. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> what what were you doing and what did you spend the 200000 for? Um, mm-hmm. I think my work follows a lineage or team of artists like Du Buffet. I am very excited to expand my career and vision alongside a legacy like Paces. <laughs> that sounds like it was <laughs> written by a PR intern. I mean, wasn't it? <laughs> I guess so. I don't know. Oh, okay. And then, oh, there's so, more. So, Wait, there's more. Sorry, I'm I'm, I'm scanning Google images f- for any uh, pictures from the Kushner's uh, Ivanka, and, <laughs> Ivanka and Jared's apartment with a potential Robert Nava hanging in the uh, in the background. But I'm only finding an Alex Israel one. <laughs> that mug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to develop his uncom. Oh, God, I can't pronounce basic words uncompromisingly <laughs> personal style nava first dispensed with the rules and conventional attitudes that he had learned while obtaining his mfa at yale university okay this is getting into esther kim territory of constantly dro- name dropping yale university <laughs> yeah uh an attitude that aligns him with the irreverent bad painting first theorized in 1978 by the new museum's founding curator marcia tucker Nonetheless, Nava's hybrid monsters, which range from the dragon-like to the angelic, are thought-out composites that the artist continuously reworks in his sketchbooks. 
Drawing, in fact, constitutes the bedrock of his practice, a daily discipline of invention. Often I mean, cre- that's a, <laughs> it, it's just trying to raise the brow on a like a cause level style of art. It's yeah. silly. So the last paragraph, often created to the vitalizing beat of techno music. Wait, is this a Berlin based artist? Oh, that that explains his Nike high tops, those colored ones, use the uh, colorful ones like the uh like the meth queens and lab in Berlin. <laughs> or what I assume that a Hungarian politician was wearing to the gay orgy. Um, oh my God. His paintings conjure a realm awash in magic and possibility where beings are always seemingly on the verge of transmogrification. See, I can't read. Uh, though offering viewers respite <sighs> from the more cynical and dystopian aspects of today's world, his paintings do not, however, veer into escapism. Okay. Um, excuse me. This is this is actually holding a cynical mirror to your face, just yeah. by the level of suspense of disbelief we're supposed to uh, engage in. And yeah. just a side note, like if you want to actually use a, a potent example of, uh, you know, inclusion of a uh, Roman uh, Roman Greco mythology in your work like Cy Twombly would be the person to bring up and not like Jean Dubuffet who has nothing to do with it or just like sorry I'm struggling to gather my thoughts because it's just it's it's dumb the work is dumb and so my thoughts on the matter are dumb (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so there's your tit for tat yeah Violence and destruction are continuously implied by the ferocity of his depicted animals and the iconoclastic nature of his graffiti-like markings. Okay, this is polishing a turd, uh, which build on the <laughs> gesturalism of Cy Twombly and Jean-Michel uh, Basquiat. <laughs> I called it. Wow. Uh, you could be teaching at Yale right now. Um his work. Just don't teach your just don't teach your style uh, to kindergartners, or else they'll they'll all have to show up at the clinical psychiatrist's office one week later. <laughs> or don't teach them anything because they're just gonna make the same work as you and eat up your market. Um, so his work thus reacquaints viewers with an almost childlike capacity for fantasy. And creativity while offering a meditation on the loss of innocence and its recuperation. <laughs> no meditation, no innocence. The only escapism is the escapism I engage in when I look at it in terms of like wanting to escape the looking at it. Oh, yeah. God. And the only reason I we're mean, being... As, as, can I, as as the Democrats were saying nonstop during the <laughs> campaign now in the past few months, we can do better. Yeah, we can do better. We, we can do better. When they go low, we have to go high. And this is low. And so we're going to go high. <laughs> <laughs> so the, uh, the only reason you got that truth morsel from us is... Uh, because this is yet another, <laughs> <laughs> yet another example of the mechanics of the art world and how insane it is. There's it's, like uh, I like to say, there's nothing great and nothing horrible. It's just whatever has worked its way through and uh, 
has been boosted by certain signal boosters has now made it to the top. Uh, do you think any? Do you think art advisors were? <laughs> someone tip, tip, you, you think someone tipped them off about the upcoming announcement that they were like working in overtime trying to get their hands on a Robert uh, Robert Nava painting? Oh, I'm sure. Before it became completely impossible, and the scarcity as a uh, cycle of scarcity is uh, complete. Well, I just checked the sorry. Sorry, I have to say it the American way. Sorry, sorry, we're closed. <laughs> uh, I don't want to sound Canadian because someone's going to be shady about it. Um, so, sorry, we're closed. Uh, a Brussels gallery that has represented or worked with them for the last few years. Uh, I love their roster, by the way. They have some yeah, no, they show, work, they show uh, they show great things. I like this uh, Stefan Rink. Those sculptures, the stone sculptures. I think they're really cute. Um, mm-hmm. But they've had a show uh, October 24th until December 19th. It's their current show. So, I mean, they must have known. I mean, he works with them, so he would have told them. It's like uh, there's a post, know, the stars there's aligning. A post, there's a post from October 30th of a, uh, a man in a beret uh, looking at a, uh, a faux naive painting of a shark crying. <laughs> or is it crying? It's like there's a single cloud over the 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 flying shark's head and it's it's raining on it and the shark's like drooling on the meadow oh my god just curious who the art advisors that really pushed him were i mean because okay 2011 he had his mfa thesis exhibition it's not like it was you know two years ago and there's been Mm -hmm. this trajectory like it is quite a while um yeah. It's demoralizing. It's uh it's a little demoralizing, I will say, yeah. to uh for work like that to achieve such a such mass uh recognition at such level. Um I don't know, I feel like I'm at a loss for words time and time again because uh this is such a subjective democracy, this field. It's propelled yeah. by you know agents of interests interest and there's just no there's no telling uh right from wrong it's a little depressing no it is i mean and like what i've seen on the instagram reaction instagram is our twitter by the way that's our barometer of uh mm-hmm. what's happening in the streets yeah uh yeah everyone's just rolling their eyes it's like really except for the except for the quote-unquote killing it bro crowd yeah killing it (laughs) oh sick bro you're really killing it (laughs) (laughs) and then the advisors like go uh part and parcel with that (laughs) Mm -hmm. if you if you scratch my back I won't scratch yours. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank God we don't know him personally, the artist, or else some art advisors would uh, hit up his galleries, uh, name dropping <laughs> our, our names shamelessly, exactly. <laughs> without having without having asked us first if it's fine to do so or not. <laughs> I'm being mean. Prima can explain why we're laughing. Um. Please DM me if you're words. interested. 
DM me if you're interested. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, lordy lord. Um, All right. Yeah, I don't well, know. So, um, as, as we've made clear many times, this is the punching up podcast. So, yeah. Deal with it. Yeah, deal with it. Uh, on a brighter note, uh, any any cultural recommendations on your uh, on your side of the pond that you would like to bring up? Anything fun you've been doing, watching, oh. reading, listening to? Okay, so uh, as I've said, I'm basically chained to my parents at home. Uh, <laughs> there's no cultural opportunities for me to physically attend. Um, have you been like I've, playing? Have you been playing board games, <laughs> chatting into the night? Is there like a U-log situation going on? Uh, we've My mom has been binging uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air on, on Netflix. The reboot? Uh, no, the old one. Oh, okay. And so I've been watching with her a bit. And it still holds up. It's amazing. Like 30 years later... 30, 25 to 30 years later it's still so funny and such a good uh i think underrated sitcom kind of in the history of mm-hmm. sitcoms uh we also watched the crown that was good uh mm-hmm. the people who are like hung up on historical inaccuracies need to get a life like has no one ever Wait, watched a made for tv movie that you know is like based on true the, events what's the issue <laughs> what's the issue oh, just, i haven't I, I haven't watched the crown well, because everything else on the crown before was so long ago that most of the people that were around weren't alive or aren't alive anymore that, you know, were like working for the queen in the 1950s or what have you. But How old is she now? Gosh, she's like 90 something, I think. I like fucking, I fucking saw a picture of her uh, riding a horse the other day. How the <laughs> hell does she get on the horse? Was she riding a bareback? <laughs> Or maybe it was a tiny, like, Shetland pony <laughs> get gifted to her by the Queen of Poland. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, so, this current season that just uh, premiered on Netflix is dealing with, like, the introduction of Princess Diana. So, you know, it's all, like, the 1980s. These people are still living... And it's just like, that didn't happen. People don't, people who are bureaucrats don't go out in the morning to get the paper. They get it mm-hmm. delivered. Like, that's the things they're hung up on. Or like, that yeah. conversation never happened. And it's like, yeah, it probably didn't, but who cares? Like, if you're showing interior scenes of someone's day to day life, obviously you have to dramatize and make up dialogue. But, mm-hmm. you know, the How's, skeleton. Uh, How's what's her name in the role of Ma- uh, Margaret Thatcher? Oh, Gillian Anderson. Yeah, uh, I thought she was really great in it, but I know people have had some issues with it that she's like too pretty or <laughs> or too ridiculous. I mean, or Margaret Thatcher wasn't a she was she was no gold on my ear. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I don't know. Jillian Anderson is too pretty to be playing Margaret Thatcher. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they did something did you ever? Face. Did you ever watch that uh, Helen Mirren uh, Margaret no. Thatcher movie? That was pretty good. No, I haven't watched that. 
but wait, wasn't there one with Meryl Streep, or am I thinking of something else? Oh yeah, <laughs> that's her. Yeah, that's Iron Meryl Lady. Streep. Yeah, I haven't watched Iron it. Lady, yeah. Sorry, I, this, I, this, this COVID brain fog. <laughs> I got enough from the crown of what a terrible person she was, so I already knew the gist. I don't need to see anymore. Okay, so apart from that, my other kind of cultural revelation uh, the last few days has been cashing in my audible credits i have 41 downloads <laughs> so i went on a download binge yesterday cashing in those credits so i can close down my account um i'm gonna read a list of what i downloaded wait let me ask you first uh do uh, the downloads expire after you close the account they don't uh basically the way it works is you have a monthly subscription and i got this because i think my brother had uh suggested some audiobooks like learning german or something and you pay a subscription every month and every month you get a credit to download a book that's how it works so uh, a couple of years ago i downloaded marcia clark without a doubt <laughs> uh What's you know that she's the prosecute she was the prosecutor from the oj simpson uh, trial <laughs> yeah so yeah. it's her reading the audiobook it's amazing um then is i have a, is there a whole is there a whole chapter about her hair <laughs> yes actually she does talk about the hair uh <laughs> which was shown in that uh dramatized series um so i also um got influence the psychology of persuasion <laughs> uh i got Wait, is is that some herb herbalife publication <laughs> it's by robert b uh kyle dini phd uh just don't go scientology on me please give I mean, me the cover warning. the cover looks scientology adjacent Okay, uh-huh. this one you've maybe seen at Barnes & Noble. Uh, it's The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. <laughs> <laughs> Powerful Lessons in Personal Change. Uh, I also got Building a Story Brand. Clarify your message so customers will listen. <laughs> Wait, can we go back for a second to the, the previous book? What's a, what's a good recommendation in the book uh, for when you can't get out of bed in the morning? <laughs> i have not well, cracked it open. for life <laughs> yeah. yeah well maybe the, the my next download the one page marketing plan uh get new customers make more money and stand out from the crowd mm-hmm. um i got edward snowden's permanent record margaret atwood's the handmaid's tale so now i know what all those protesters are dressed up as Wait, are those audio books or textbooks? Like, oh, do you no, read the, them or? These are all audiobooks. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Who's who's doing the reading, the narrating, and uh, uh, who's doing like the Handmaid's Tale? And oh, this uh, Edward Elizabeth Snowden. Elizabeth Moss, noted Scientologist. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, is this anything by Jerry Seinfeld? I'm excited for that one. Mm-hmm um oh grayson perry playing to the gallery helping contemporary art and its struggle to be understood uh then i got a book about uh it's called a covert action reagan the cia and the cold war struggle in poland that's from my artistic research i'm almost recommended by was that recommended by (laughs) crookedmedia.com i could see it being a uh, busty pole mika brzezinski uh recommendation 
Um, mm-hmm. Okay, and then the four last ones, Inside Out, a memoir by Demi Moore. Excited about that mm-hmm. one. Does she, talk bo- about her v- Does she talk about her very successful face work? <laughs> <laughs> or her brush cut? I hope she does. She Open, looks great. She does look great. Open book, a memoir by Jessica Simpson. <laughs> does she talk about her flaming father? We'll see. Uh, <laughs> the Chiffon Trenches, a memoir by Andre Leon Talley. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and then lastly uh my biggest true crime thing i've been into for the last couple of years the billionaire murders the mysterious deaths of barry and honey sherman uh which were those killings that captivated the greater toronto area mm-hmm. yeah. interesting and how about you um yeah, I'm just looking up my 2020 reading challenge on goodreads.com um, as pitched on Canadian Shark Tank. <laughs> um, yeah, reading has been my main form of escapism during COVID, and I've read 30 books so far. Mind you, I'm not a native English speaker, and so I read much slower in English than I do in Hebrew. Um yeah, I went through. What do I have on the list? Um, I finished all of John Williams's novel, his oeuvre. Uh, he wrote Stoner, Augustus, uh, Butcher's Crossing, if I'm not mistaken. Best American novelist. Look him up. Uh, read some more Philip Roth, a lot of science fiction. Read the uh, non controversial uh, Woody Allen autobiography, apropos of nothing. Um. What else did I read? Uh, I finished, actually read all of Elena Ferrante's books, the Neapolitan <laughs> Quartet, uh, and her shorter, her novellas. Her last book is just terrible. I was struggling to finish it. Um, and then, what am I reading now? Oh, and I really got into Gore Vidal's American uh, Empire series. He sort of dramatized like important moments in um, 19th century American history. And so it starts out with... Um, I guess the first novel is the one I'm reading now. It's about Aaron Burr. And then it goes on to Lincoln. And then 1876, that contentious election between the stolen election, election actually. Uh, I'm forgetting who was uh, who was on the ticket now. Um, and then it goes into like uh, 1900s and 20th century in America. But Gore Vidal was one of just the... Like these books are just like reading page six, only they're like super <laughs> well researched and illuminate a lot of facets and aspects about like uh, relatively early American history, like the American Revolution and post Civil War and stuff like that. So if you're if you're like a history buff like me, you'd enjoy it tremendously. So like starting to read Burr now and then having been to the American Wing at the Met over the weekend, it was just really that's that's my form of escapism just going into the the past and um just feeling like i'm not here in the moment so that's yeah and also we've been watching like power watching the west wing because the it expires on netflix at the end of december or like christmas or something like that so we're like really rushing through episodes but i'm such an early bird that like my my cutoff my cognizance cut off is 10 30 p.m so like the most the most we can do is like two three episodes 
Um, and maybe we can talk about it at length. Uh, have you ever watched The West Wing, by the way? I haven't. I remember when it was on TV quite clearly, but I never yeah. made an effort. It's a, it's such a liberal fantasy. It's pretty incredible. If you ever decide to watch it, maybe we can do a... We oh, we should do that. experiences. Is that uh, where everyone's obsession with like constantly referring to POTUS and FLOTUS came from? <laughs> yeah, actually. So it's funny because in the first season they say POTUS and like they say it on a couple of episodes and the people they say it to don't know what they're talking about. And I'm like, POTUS, it's an acronym. Oh, so uh, they totally guess, yeah. are responsible for POTUS. <laughs> and then yeah, Twitter for, for amplified ac- it. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just funny because like Martin Sheen, who plays the president, uh, I'm only in the first season now. He's like a Nobel laureate. Like he won the Nobel prize for economics, which is (laughs) insane. It's like the wildest of liberal fantasies to have like the, the mother of all technocratic, like experienced presidents. Um, and then there's like all these all these characters who mirrored like clinton aides and like staff members like ram emmanuel that devil Mm. oh my god and other people it's like it's it's insane it's definitely it's an interesting time capsule to like view in retrospect but as i said on a previous episode like it was impossible to watch it uh, during the trump era because you really see how the sausage gets made and it's like it was no fun to have had to reflect on like what it's like in the you know behind closed doors in the white house during trump and uh yeah that's it for me um yeah that's about it oh breaking news i just i just saw on twitter that there's marmite hummus (laughs) in the uk ew (laughs) sounds disgusting I've I've been resisting that dark chocolate hummus that they sell here at the uh, at the grocery stores, which it's, was on Shark Tank. Was it? Yes, flavored hummus was on Shark Tank. It's 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 like, unorthodox, like it's, like yeah. cookie batter hummus or whatever the flavors were. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Not not one of the best export exports of my culture. Sounds sounds not kosher, literally nope. and figuratively. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <sighs> Alrighty. All well, right. have a nice week, Pshemek. Thanks, you too. And you, you know what? You should come here for a residency. That'd be fun. Oh, yeah. Just, uh, you know, I'm waiting for an official invitation. Yeah, I'll I'll write you a letter and you can come to Berlin and then we can come to the house here and we can just podcast the- up a storm. Yeah. <laughs> and for the borders to reopen, can I even travel to Poland now? I think you can. I think um, okay. maybe... If you were just a U.S. citizen, probably not. But I think as an Israeli citizen, you can come to Europe. I think there's like a way around it. I mean, I can always play the uh, Heaven My People Suffered Enough card exactly. at, the, uh, at immigration. At the, at the new BER airport. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Maybe I'll bribe some fire watchers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We'll have a great Alrighty. week. Yeah, you too. Talk to you soon. Talk soon. Choosy. Choose. <laughs> Bye. Bye.